the Bear Down Report podcast featuring Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and your host, Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks. Welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dangle. I am joined by Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon. You can find me on Twitter at BDR Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. You can find Jack Wright on Twitter at J-W-R-I-G-H-T-B-D-R. And Patrick Sheldon, you can read him on Fansided, or you can find him on Twitter at P underscore Shells. Brandon Chagru, he's got like a job or something. I don't know what he just, I think he doesn't like us basically. Uh, so couldn't make it tonight. And Logan Bradley is still working hard. Uh, and so he's not here. So it's just the three of us tonight, but I'm still stoked about this episode. Sheridan's barbershop located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois has been serving the community for 67 years with five barbers and open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by a phone at your convenience. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to SheridansBarbershop.com or you can call them at 630-668-0137 and book your dope haircut today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. We couldn't be here without the amazing support of Jeff Cadwallader. I'm just telling you guys right now that maybe you've got a friend of a friend or someone you knew in high school or something like that along those lines that that might be a realtor. They're not nearly as good as Jeff Cadwallader. He's amazing. My wife and I bought and sold a house with Jeff and we couldn't have been more blown away. I think as a first time buyer, I was kind of nervous about a lot of things, the things that I didn't know. Jeff was answering questions that we didn't even know existed. It was incredible. He just he held our hand through the entire process. He just, he knows the business inside and out. If you're thinking about it, Jeff Cadwalder with At Properties, give a call, give a text 630-254-4734, or you can visit genevajeff.com today to learn how Jeff can help you out. Jeff Cadwalder At Properties, absolutely amazing. Got to give him a call, got to give him a text. All right, boys couple little housekeeping things before we get into this episode today. We got the story contest and we've got all of our entries in this evening and we've got some good ones. We are thrilled to share those with you. And that probably will come out uh, later on this week as this episode comes out. We are going to play the stories. We're going to give them a little nickname and then we will put those out on Twitter uh, for you all to vote. So you've got to have a Twitter account to vote uh, for your favorite story, but we're going to play all of them. We're not going to say the name of the individual, just kind of in a hopes that this way people will listen to the stories and vote on the story, not just on their favorite person. Uh, so you want to make sure that you go ahead and do that. Uh, make sure you listen to this upcoming episode. We've got some really good stories and we are thrilled. The person that wins the contest that has the best story is going to co-host an episode with all of us here at the Bear Down Report podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I am thrilled to have one of these story entry people come in and and host with us. It's going to be a really good time. Stories have been great. Really fun to listen to. Thanks for all your entries. And I'm really looking forward to that episode because storytelling is a personal favorite. I know for Ryan and I, I don't know you all enough to know Shells, but I don't know if you're into storytelling, but it's kind of something that, uh, I don't know, it's just fun. Nothing else. You get to come on the show and tell me what you really think about me, which, uh, could be entertaining in and of itself. So get those stories in there. We're really enjoying listening to them. I have, um, and, and looking forward to hearing some more. So 
please keep those submissions coming. We didn't know that was an option. I, if, I, if that was an option, then I would have submitted several. <laughs> yeah, I think we're disqualified from the contest. Oh, we, we you can yell at me anytime, Jack. Okay. <laughs> we definitely are. Boys, I don't know about you, but I've got a favorite. I'm not going to name the favorite story, but but I definitely have one. You know, I don't, you know, it's all about the listeners, what the listeners think, but but I definitely have one story that resonates more with me. What what about you guys? Definitely a leader in the clubhouse for me as well. But I don't want to, I'm not gonna tip my tip my hand at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm in a one A, one B scenario. So uh very close. All right. Uh, folks, the other thing too, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, we've got our end of season awards. They kind of got pushed back because I don't know if you guys know this, but the Chicago bears are looking for a general manager and a head coach. So there's been a lot going on. We haven't had a chance to talk about the end of season awards, but that is coming up. All right, boys, our last episode, big hit. I, I don't know about you shells. I was going back and listening J dubs. I think you, 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 you did. You did a really good job in the draft. Shells, I, I want to know how you're feeling about it because I look back and I was like, oh my God, did I really pick like that? Like Greg Roman, like I like him, but as a first round draft pick, like, oof, that was, ugh. I got too cute. I, na- I nagged the thing. I absolutely <laughs> nagged the thing. And <laughs> I overthought it and I'm thinking Pace is going to stick around. He's not going to be able to bring in Peyton, but he's going to try to deliver a guy with head coaching experience and Dennis Allen. Um, who all kidding aside, I think should get some consideration for a head coaching gig. The guy, uh, has that, that defensive unit, you know, firing on, on all cylinders of the last few years did great against the bucks this year in his one, uh, game where he was a head coach filling in for Peyton, but for some reason, uh, he's not getting any, he's not getting any love. And so if I had a do over, I would, uh, I would definitely redo that, redo that pick. All right. So, well, Shells, let me hit you with this. And then Jack, I want to hear your answer after that. What is your biggest regret from the draft? That's a great question. So besides, besides Dennis Allen, um, I think it was probably selecting Ryan day, who I think is, um, is no longer an option. I, I, you know, just based on a hunch, right. He's filling a lot of assistant coaching, coaching vacancies, uh, doesn't look like he's um, in the market to move for an NFL job. Although, candidly, we wouldn't know about an interview because they don't have to request permission. So it's possible, I suppose, that they uh, have talked to Ryan Day. But just based on the moves that he's making, uh, it seems unlikely he's looking to make the jump. So that would be that would be the other uh, pick I would redo. I don't know. I mean, there's no way that we could have known that Miami was going to fire their head coach. So... Having said that, I mean, no, no regrets. You only draft once. I think I felt like, you know, again, this is all de- dependent upon what it is that we think that the Bears should do, given the coaching characteristics that we have researched. But the wild card, as we're going to talk about, I'm sure, is that that's not always necessarily the case when it comes to Hallis Hall. So, I mean, it's a bit of a crapshoot, right? It's a bit of, it really is. It's a bit of a crapshoot. You know, when I was first making my picks, I kind of circled Brian Dable, Brian Dable or, or nobody. And, and then I just, as it was moving on, I was like, let's, let's, you know, ooh, Shells is talking about Greg Roman. Like, let's shake it up a little bit. And now I just think like, especially after watching that, that Bills game, I was like, what, what were you doing? Like you have been a Dable guy for like weeks and like maybe even longer than weeks. And, and it's like, you just, you didn't pick him that plus 
Dave Tobe. I said Dave Taub, like I think like six times. And Brendan, like bless his heart, was like Dave Tobe, Dave Tobe. And I was like, bro, like I know my stuff. But just for anyone that's listening that doesn't know my my great saga, my six and a half, six and a half month old daughter refuses to sleep and it has gotten worse and worse and worse. So I'm blaming it on that. Uh, but my, my only other regret, yeah, is, is just, like I said, not, not taking Brian Dable with that third pick, which Jack, you, you, you got him. And I think that pick is looking better and better and better. Yeah. Do you guys think Dable walked into the uh, meeting today or, or on zoom and just uh, plugged in the, the film of the all 22 and then put the cigarette out on the table, gave him, you know, the deuces and walked out of the room. That's yeah, what I would have done. I don't yeah, think we need anything more. Can, can you please uh, give us a, a fake press conference though? And uh, you know, <laughs> flawless game, right? Flawless game, five touchdown passes for Josh Allen. I think it was really interesting because I think you see all these really great quarterbacks, they still need some level of direction because I think they try to do it all themselves sometimes. And Allen's been guilty of that. And, and uh, you know, I think sometimes even uh, Aaron Rodgers has been guilty of that. A lot of great quarterbacks have been guilty of that, but it seems like they game planned it perfectly. And Allen made almost no mistakes. It was, it was incredibly impressive. Well, Jack, to that point, think about how raw he looked when he first came out and it seems that Brian Dable has been a huge part of his development, which, you know, thinking about Justin Fields, you know, an incredibly talented quarterback. I'm not the first person to make the, the connection between those two guys. Uh, but I just, you know, I, I, I would like to see him in a Chicago bears, uh, not visor. Cause I don't want to see a coach in a visor ever again, but you know, I'd like to see him on this. I'd like to see him on the sidelines. It keeps coming up, and I, it's it's a valid concern that we don't know the intangibles that he might bring when it comes to being a leader and being a head coach. And I don't think we will ever quite know that until we get to see him in that role, if we get to see him in that role here or somewhere else. So we can only base it, I think, on what you just said, Ryan. And that's tangible. We know that's real. We know that's real and we see it in direct play on the field every time you know that offense steps on the gridiron can i do a quick psa here and, Please. and i'm i'm like super guilty of this so i'm not uh i'm not casting aspersions to anyone out there because I, I include myself in this category but collectively as a fandom we need to maybe stop overanalyzing every single uh head coaching candidate i think you're going to dig and find negatives on all these candidates. Um, so, you know, I, I think what's important is to look at how they've developed, right? Like maybe not where they started, maybe not, you know, isolating a couple of seasons, maybe when they had bad personnel or, or were in a bad situation, but just take in the whole body, body of work. Look at how they've, de they've developed as a coach, um, over the years and, uh, hopefully sooner or later, this is going to be over and we'll have our candidate, but boy, it needs to happen soon, man. I don't know if I can take much more back and forth arguing on Twitter over the merits of every single candidate that gets announced. Shells. That's so well said. Every candidate has their wrinkles, has things that we're going to complain about. You know, I, I last thing I, I will say about Dable is I think he's gotten better as time has gone on. And I think, Jack, you, I think specifically we're talking about his adjustments to the run and how much better they've been with it. I just, 
That's it. I'm done. I'm done talking about him. Boys, let's just talk briefly about Flores, just because not available when we recorded the the draft. Just your general thoughts on the guy. What what do you guys kind of think about that? Jack Shells? The reports out of Miami stating that he was abrasive in some way to the ownership there is concerning only in as much as it's a possibility that he would come to the Chicago Bears. And I think we have seen a pattern of GMs and coaches that don't fit that profile. Plain and simple, they don't fit that profile. The Bears have a tendency to steer away from candidates who shoot them straight about the status of their team and the future of their team. So that would concern me about his viability. Otherwise, I think he could be a potentially great head coach for the Chicago Bears. Just really quick before Sheldon, you you hop in there. That's what I want. I think actually, Sheldon, I think you pointed that out in the last episode is that some of my coaching candidates are the people that would tell the Chicago Bears where to stick it. And I think that Brian Flores would absolutely do that, which they need to hear, which is probably why they will not select him. 1000% guys, um, Jack, you nailed it. Not only do they shy away from coaching candidates who will tell them the hard truth, but former players that will tell them the hard truth, uh, consultants that will tell them the hard truth. Um, you know, I know Polian's getting in there and mixing it up and, and seems to be steering them in the right direction on some candidates. But, um, you know, they just, until I see them make the difficult changes and make the hard choices and, and accept the constructive criticism, I'm going to doubt it. And so I think you're spot on. I don't know that he's somebody that they would want to bring in uh, to the building if they, if they are willing to do that. I mean, you have to look at him as a serious contender, right? He, he took an absolutely abysmal Dolphins roster and won 19 games over the last two years. I, you have to, you have to vet the stories, right? You have to vet those reports. They have access to way more information than, than we do um, on Twitter. And so you hope that they can get to the ground truth on what actually happened. What's real. What's kind of a, a smear campaign from the ownership because you just let go of a coach who was, you know, had 19 wins over the last two years. Um, and, and so if they can get to the ground truth on that, it's not as bad as, as some of the reports are, you have to give them strong consideration. If those reports are even remotely true, uh, you, you can't take a shot at all. I, I'm saying stay far away. If some of those reports are true and he wasn't talking to his coaching staff from Thanksgiving on, uh, you know, he was truly as, as abrasive as um, they say, abrasive is one thing, but like mean and nasty to your players uh, is a whole nother. I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, but the bears have to get to it and figure out uh, what's real and what's, what's fake. The whole thing with Tua, you know, Justin Fields is a very different quarterback. They have different skill sets coming from different places, but his development as a head coach of Tua doesn't really give me a whole lot of confidence. I do remember now that you mentioned that Shell's being so incredibly impressed with the way that the Dolphins were playing seemingly despite all odds. The record wasn't very good, but they were week in and week out. Really a tough matchup against anybody that they played. Yeah, I do think anytime when you have a coach that that seems to be able to continue to move towards a goal despite losing, as we've talked about, the season is long. It's difficult. Losses add up. It's easy to get easy to get disconcerted. But he created or fostered an environment of guys that were hard to discourage 
relentless. That that's good. I like that. Yeah, and and people want to trash those wins at the end of the season because of their competition. Like, look at the rosters, guys. It, it, they were they were very similar in the teams that they played. It's not as if you know the Dolphins had a bang up roster and and should have been dominating these teams. They were on par talent wise with the teams that they were beating, and they beat them. Um, which is more than we can say for for Matt Nagy with some of the bottom feeder teams that he's played uh, over the last few years. So, you know, I don't know. Like I said, people will find a negative about any coach that they don't like. You keep digging, you keep, you know, <laughs> you'll find something to chew on. All right, well, boys, with that being said, let's let's hit it right now. You know, without doing 8 million hours of research, who's your favorite candidate? that the bears have brought in or are bringing in and who is your least favorite candidate that the bears have brought in or are bringing in. We're going to go Jack shells and I will finish it up. I would say that I am still on my draft picks to be honest with you from the uh, coaches draft. I I love the idea of Dable, which we've talked about quite a bit already. And I've been going, you know, back and forth on Twitter with, great discussions with you know some of some of my twitter followers just talking about the day in day out minutiae that goes with scheming an offense and developing a quarterback from ball skills to drop back to uh, you know to ball fakes to you know uh, presence in the pocket these are things through film and through uh, practice and through games that i think when it's all said and done we have lacked at the quarterback position for decades, as we all know. We have the potential right quarterback in the building, potentially. At the very least, let's give that guy a shot to be the franchise quarterback that we drafted him to be by putting him with a guy who has the distinct ability to groom him as a successful quarterback and then see where it goes. I know some people can say you got to start with the offensive line and then you got to start with the defensive line. And I think you can make an equal case for that. But what I'm looking at as a longtime Bears fan here is we've never gotten the quarterback position right. And anybody that's in the playoffs right now has gotten the quarterback position right. Clearly, there are a lot of other factors besides that scheme and personnel and we, we know all the other factors, but I suppose if nothing else, I'm just hoping that perhaps we can get either a Brian Dable or a Nathaniel Hackett that that might get that spot right. Um, I, I guess I guess, you know, Frazier is not somebody that I'm, I'm that interested in, although no. it's not that I, I I don't think that he would be bad. No, I just don't. Uh, you know, it's not something that would get me excited. It seems super bearsy. It seems like he would be a company man. And that's not what we're looking for unless he brings in, unless he brings in an OC or a quarterback, quarterback's coach, you know, that, that can do what I just talked about when it comes to JF1. But that would I wouldn't be, you know, jumping up and down for that one for sure. Hackett's interesting, but um, an irrational criticism I have of him is we're going to be in like the same situation with Mitch where it's, was it Mitch or Mitchell? Is it Nate? Is it Nathaniel? What do we call him? Like, are we just the practical issues, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Let's just call him Nate dog. (laughs) No, he is. You know, I don't know enough about him truly, but um, everything that I have heard or read about him is really intriguing and really encouraging. So I honestly hope that they do give him a a good look and a fair shake. um, Cause he does seem like somebody that uh, is, is worth strong consideration. 
I 100% agree with you on um, the candidate that I I like the least, uh, Leslie Frazier. You know, we just talked about it. Like, if you want somebody that's going to come in and not rock the boat and go along to get along and make sure everybody up at Hallis Hall is holding hands and singing Kumbaya, it's it's going to be Leslie Frazier. Nothing against the guy personally. Uh, he's just I don't know. Not not would not be a very inspiring hire. I think they could do a lot better. They should do a lot better. They should set their sights a lot higher than uh, comfortable. I, I think I mischaracterized Dan Quinn as the tube sock candidate or the uh, <laughs> apologize to the mullet king as the egg salad sandwich candidate, but that may actually be Leslie Frazier. Uh, so I want them to stay far, far away from him in terms of the candidates that get me the most excited. Uh, again, it's probably a one, a one B scenario for me, Dable because I'm hopeful uh, he can bring over um, Dorsey as his offensive coordinator. You know, all the criticisms we had of Matt Nagy over his tenure here were um, are things that Dable has proven he can do. What do we say about Matt Nagy? Hasn't developed a quarterback. Dable's done that. Can't fit his, his scheme or his offense to his players. Dable has done that. So um, – I want, I want somebody who can, like you said, Jack, can, can tailor this scheme to the strengths of our quarterback and develop that quarterback. And I think Dable has proven he could do that uh, in Buffalo. And then I think a, a 1B, but easily could be 1A for me, is Todd Bowles, um, just because of, of I think he got a raw deal, as we said, in, in New York. I think he's a great leader. I think he's somebody that commands respect in the locker room doesn't have to be the fire and brimstone kind of guy, but just, um, you know, everybody sits up and listens when he talks and he'll, he'll, he'll command respect on day one. If he can put together a good staff, if he can, um, you know, put together a good offensive staff, uh, I would really, really like that hire. Man, shells, like I get out of my head, dude. I I literally, (laughs) like within my notes, I'm I'm out of my dreams and into my car, Ryan, let's go Billy ocean. Oh my. Oh, oh my. Um, so the, the, the Hackett choice, you know, is one that initially I just kind of scoffed cause I was like, I don't want any whiz kids, but Jack, I think you kind of talked me into it a little bit. Um, and then the other thing about him that, you know, I just seen a lot of buzz back and forth that he's highly respected. He's getting a lot of interviews in a lot of different places. Uh, you know, I, I go back to my concerns, you know, when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you're always going to look good. Uh, so, you know, but, but, but there's some interest there, but, Man, Shells, you, you literally stole it right from me. Dable or Bowles, those are the two guys that I want. Um, and I would be thrilled with either one of those guys. Bowles, the only concern that I have is who is going to be his offensive coordinator. Uh, just like Lovey Smith, we talked about this in one of our last episodes, is dude was uh, offensive coordinator away from from being a, a perennial Super Bowl returner, I guess, uh, a coach in the Super Bowl, so to speak. And then, yeah, I just, I don't want, Milk toast, Leslie Frazier. I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I just, he just, he screams Chicago Bears pick. And that just makes me really, really nervous. I think, Jack, to your point last week, I think he makes an excellent guy. He's, he's a good leader of men, but I don't think he inspires anything as far as championship. I don't think championship when I think Leslie Frazier. We could just bring over most of the Bills staff, right? We could Dable and Dorsey, and maybe Frazier doesn't get a, a HC job anywhere. Well, we got and, ourselves a D coordinator and Joe and Joe Shane too. I mean, but look at look yes. at that. It's a small market team that that has yes. just been crushing it. So, 
there's Great. there's a lot there's a lot all right boys i i have in my notes and that i i'm like rubber stamping this as best i possibly can the last time that i want to talk about mitchell trubisky and i want to talk about matt Nagy uh, as, as as a as a big topic because of the athletic article that came out, Jack, I know you, you kind of, you read it in great detail and you want to give us a few of the highlights, um, you know, or lowlights rather. Uh, I know there's, there's a lot that you and I've been talking about that like before recording all of this, uh, that I, that I'm hoping we can bring some of that conversation in, but just highlighting some of the dysfunction that we saw from afar. In the pre-show rundown, Ryan, you said to try to keep it positive, but I'm going to be honest, it would be tough to do that after reading this article. And I think anybody that read the article would agree. I felt a little ill. I'm not exaggerating after reading it because I think it detailed the level of incompetency that we that we thought was there. Some things that came out of it. I, my own assessment is that we're dealing with two guys, Ted Phillips and George McCaskey, who have this combination, this unique combination of incompetency and ego. I think that while they clearly don't have the ability to choose GM, coach, QB, they somehow have continually tried to put their stamp on the Bears organization. That's that's the ego part of it. I think if they wanted to do what was best for the organization, they would have done it a long time ago. And that would have been to get the hell out of the way, as we've talked about over and over again. But instead, because I think their egos do get in the way, then that draws us to their incompetence, which we've seen over and over. They consistently pass over the best hire, as we've documented. They consistently pass over guys in their building who shoot straight about the future of their team. And I think what the article chronicled best, if you go back to 2001, Ted Phillips hires a New York firm to look for a new general manager. The process takes too long. And so Jerry Angelo is hired on June 12th. Training camp is weeks away. So Angelo is told to keep Dick Duran. Now that's crucial because that's a pattern that just keeps on happening over and over again, where whoever this new person is in whatever the new role is, whether it's the GM having to hang on to the coach uh, or the GM having to hang on to the QB or the new D coordinator having to hold on to the old D coordinators system, it, it just goes on and on. So then 2003 and Duran gets fired. Now we go to 2011, George becomes the chairman, Jerry Angelo gets fired, Ted Phillips is in charge of the search, Lovey sits in on the interviews, Phil Emery gets oh. hired over Jason Light, who is the current Tampa Bay general manager who signed Tom Brady. Phil Emery is told to keep Lovey instead of looking for his own coach, jump to 2012, Lovey wins 10 games, gets fired, because Phil Emery thinks he's got it figured out. 2013, don't Emery selects <laughs> a new coach. No, don't say it. As you know, Bruce Arians, who was the reigning coach of the year, interviewed, wanted it, even wanted to work with Jay Cutler, and would have hired Todd Bowles as his D coordinator. I'm going to throw up everywhere. Instead, Emery hires Tressman, and Mel oh. Tucker is the defensive coordinator. <laughs> and Mel Tucker is told to run Lovey Smith's defense. Oh my God. Keep adding to it. Erlocker, right, gets unceremoniously dumped. So you've got, you know, uh, Lance Briggs out there 
trying to teach the new guys how to run Lovey's defense because Lovey's gone and so are the coaches and Erlocker is gone. So, so that puts Lance Briggs in that position. Nine months later, Cutler signs a seven-year extension, $54 million over the first three seasons, $38 million at signing. He throws a league-high 18 picks in a tumultuous 2014 season. 14. Ernie Acorsi is brought in to assist in a GM and head coach search. They pass on Chiefs Director of Player Personnel, Chris Ballard. Ballard wanted to report directly to McCaskey and wanted to move on from Jay, so they said no. So instead, in 2015, Ryan Pace stands at the lectern. Pace was uh, recommended by Saints GM Mickey Loomis, who was tight with Ted Phillips. Sean Payton is tight with Ernie Accorsi. So Sean Payton wants to make sure Pace gets a job, and so does Ted Phillips. So there you go. You got two years left on Jay's contract. So, so what is Pace going to do? He's sidled with Jay, whether he wants him or not, whether you think he's good or not. At that same instant, Todd Bowles gets an interview, but Fox gets fired. So now Fox is the head coach because Fox and Acorsi, they're tight. So they work together. Obviously, Pace, and we know what happens with Pace. Um, both of them get sidled. So Pace gets sidled with Fox and Jay Cutler. Fox and Pace overhaul the entire roster, trading or cutting some of the best players, including, if you watch the games tonight, Robbie Gold, which even if you just take that little thing and look at the ripple effect that that had, as you think back to the travesty that was the kicker, you know, don't, tryouts and all that stuff. Don't don't say don't say double doink. I won't. Wait, I just I just said it. Sorry. You did. All right. Last thing's 2017. Pace stuns Fox and the NFL World by trading up to get Mitch at number two, um, and and then George and Ted retain Matt and Ryan Pace in 2020. So. I realize that's long-winded, but I think that's what struck me. What was that? That I don't even know how to put it. I mean, what, what are your first thoughts as, as you just kind of hear me line that out? And of course, all attribution goes to the athletic and the writers of that article. Well, first thing is it, it it's become crystal clear why it took them so long to fire Ryan Pace. And um, the reports are that it took Bill Polian to convince George McCaskey and Ted Phillips to fire Ryan Pace because they didn't want to do it. And they were strongly considering keeping him again, uh, you know, holding over a, a personnel uh, individual or uh, coach or, or somebody from a previous regime, right? These half measures that they've taken historically. What comes to mind, Jack, is you can get away with being defiant. You can get away with being stupid. You cannot get away with being defiantly stupid. And that is how I would describe George McCaskey and Ted Phillips, defiantly stupid for decades, how they can look at their history, look at all those epic failures, uh, organizational failures, admit that he has no football knowledge, that he's just a fan. And then at the same time and in the same breath, praise the wonderful job that Ted Phillips has done. That's that's. uh that's defiantly stupid. And it's a thumb in the eye of Chicago bears fans who are way smarter uh, football fans in your average fan. Right. Um, George may not be a, a football evalu- evaluator. He may just be a fan, but I would venture to say that most Chicago bears fans have more football sense than he does. And uh, you know, you can't, you can't 
pee on our shoes and tell us it's raining, George. We you don't don't feed us a line of crap that Ted Phillips is doing a great job or that there's nothing wrong with your organizational structure. Because if there wasn't anything wrong with it, you would have lucked into a decent head coach and GM over the last 30 plus years with with Phillips running things. Look, if it hasn't worked over that period of time, why not make a change? Makes no sense. The stuff that stood out to me the most, and like I said, I put a rubber stamp on this. This is the last time I want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy is the unbelievable dysfunction of Matt Nagy. The don't worry about it, guys. We'll figure it out. Don't worry about it, guys. We'll figure it out. He he played Chicago because he's a clear communicator. Dude had no idea what he was doing. He, he was hired way too early. The, the stuff back and forth and... Jack, I I think it's important. I think I have been very consistent in my stance about Mitchell Trubisky. Would you agree with that that statement? Absolutely. And I think ahead of the curve too, to be honest with you. I, I, I have always held firm. I was not wanting them to draft him. I wanted Deshaun Watson. I wanted Deshaun Watson. I wanted Deshaun Watson. But I worked myself into being excited about this kid. And at some point I started looking and going, these two things are not matching up. Why can't he read defenses? Why, you know, the deep ball uh, that, that he's got a bad deep ball, plain and simple. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to light it up on any team that he goes to, but I do think he is significantly better than what we saw in 2019 and 2020. And I think that is Matt Nagy's fault. And I've had a couple of friends that have, that have reached out and have been like, well, you know what, dude, you know, like he can't read defenses and that's all on him. I don't think it's him. I think the guy, you know, Mitch said he, he was coming to work about on, on the offense, had notes, detailed notes, and Matt Nagy just never showed up. Like that's a kid that it's like, hey man, show me what I'm doing wrong. And he's got too many messages in his heads going too different, you know, too many different places. Again, I don't think he's better than Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's better than Deshaun Watson, but I bet you he will be a serviceable starter with another football team that doesn't have a dysfunctional organization. It's well said. I think, you know, this alleged five months of no talking with Allen Robinson and he seemingly grew closer to some players and others were you know, basically hadn't bought in. And so that's where you get the fines and you get some of the controversy that we saw with the fines. Here's the only thing. And I think we've all dealt with this where people are, you know, hey, be positive. Look at all these great coaches and GMs that are coming through. Truly, right now, the Bears are are spoiled for riches. I mean, we've looked at these candidates, both in terms of coaches and in terms of GMs. And it's possible that they, they might, get it right. But I think just like factually speaking, it's not about being negative or being cynic, you know, being a cynic. It's just factually speaking, when you look at this resume and you look at this organization, it's valid to question whether or not they will get it right. Because time and time again, they have had good people in their building and they have not made the right decision. And so that makes me even worry a little bit in the current situation because we don't know who, you know, who's connected to who and who the preferences are for Ted Phillips or for Bill Polian. It might have, it might not be guys, any of the people that we're talking about right now, would any of us be surprised if when they announce the GM and they announce the coach, it's two outliers that we haven't even talked about. I mean, we wouldn't be surprised. And so listen, as we've said thousands of times, 
We hope they nail it with the GM. We hope they nail it with the head coach. I just have a hard time believing they are capable of doing either. Here's the interesting thing I want to ask your guys' perspective on about the whole Mitch and Nagy thing. Let's say Nagy does uh, adjust his offense to Mitch's strengths, and I'm using air quotes because I I don't think Mitch is a good quarterback, irrespective of of Nagy. But let's say he does that sooner. And let's say uh, we see the Mitch that we saw down the stretch in 2020, he can, he can function pretty well against bad teams. When, you know, you split the field in half, you cut down on his read, you give him a high, low read and uh, you simplify things for him, but it doesn't work against good defenses. Okay. But let's say he does that over the course of two or three years. And maybe we're having a different conversation right now. Maybe we're talking about the bears mistake in signing Mitch Trubisky to an extension. Maybe we're where the Cleveland Browns are this year, making a decision about Baker Mayfield, who has at time, times flashed. And now Stefanski has, has apparently not tailored the offense as much this year to Baker's strengths as Baker would like. I mean, if you, if you run the, the Brown situation to the Bears situation with Mitch Trubisky, there are so many parallels. It's really quite fascinating. But maybe uh, maybe we're in the scenario now where we're like, why did we extend Mitch and we don't have Justin Field? So I don't know. That was an interesting thought, something that jumped out at me when I was thinking through um, the whole Nagy-Mitch saga. I just think that the Stefanski offense works, though, and Matt Nagy had no business being a head football coach. He, he, he didn't have enough experience as a play caller. He, he worked through one system. He wasn't even a whiz kid. He, he, he called a couple good games and then a couple really bad games. And we all kind of like brushed past that. You know, I, I said it before when he was first hired, I said, this is Tressman 2.0 and I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. I was right. And I'm, I, you know, I, I was willing to eat my words in 2018. Like, look, I was wrong. I was dead wrong about Matt Nagy. No, I was not. And I, I, again, you know what, no matter what you guys say, I promise that is it. That's the last time I'm talking about that guy because I want to look forward to the future. All right, boys, with that being said, can we just, just briefly just talk about the playoffs? I'm trying to decide what was a better game Raiders V Bengals or Cowboys v 49ers man both were some really good football games but then again too as someone who hates hates Bill Belichick it sure was awesome to see him just get smacked in the mouth Buffalo played a perfect game no punts like no no three and outs like none of that like just wow what do you what do you what do you boys think I think Brian Dable had a hard time getting his pants on this morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, I don't know. I really liked that Cincinnati game. The one, the one just now that just finished up uh, Niners and Cowboys was awesome and really exciting. Um, but I just thought that uh, I really liked Burrow. And I, I just thought the way that those guys were going back and forth, um, Cincinnati not winning, what was it? 30 something years that they haven't won a playoff game. I mean, going back to like Bo Jackson's last game. Um, I just thought that was a cool moment, how they won it, you know, the interception at the end, uh, to seal it. I, that was a, that was an incredible game. Um, so that was probably my favorite of the weekend. I'm on the, on the Cincinnati Bengals resurgence and, and definitely on Joe Burrow and his comeback. I, 
I don't think I expected him to be as good as he's been in his comeback from injury, and I'm here for it. I love his confidence. He's got this little Joe Namath appeal to him almost, and the fact that he exudes that much confidence. It might be one of those things where, you know, if you're playing against him, you kind of don't like the guy, but if he's on your team, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy, Jamar Chase, <laughs> Higgins, the, the running back. I, I I just, I really like that team. And I, it was fun, the stuff with, I think the Bengals, uh, you know, Twitter, they posted out, hey, send those texts, right? Because it kept getting repeated that there had never been a time in which someone sent a text about the Bengals being in the playoffs, which, you know, that was kind of, um, they beat that pretty hard. But anyway, I, I just, I thought that was a, a really fun, fun game to watch. I wish that the, you know, the game uh, between the Bills and, and the Patriots w- was a little bit closer I had this feeling that after the Patriots ran the ball down the Bills' throats, that the Bills would be out for blood, and clearly they were. <laughs> I just, I just didn't expect that that Belichick wouldn't have an answer. He usually has an answer. Yeah, the only thing I'll say about that, Jack, is Joe Burrow. His last year at LSU, dude, was so much fun to watch, and you thought. He won't be that good in the pros, but maybe he will be that good in the pros, especially with Jamar Chase to throw to. I mean, that dude is, he's electric. All right. Before we get out of here, before we hit shout outs, you know, I want to talk GMs. Uh, This is a topic that I do not feel as comfortable talking about, but Jack, I know you are well-versed in this shells. um, I know you you probably are also in a far better spot than I am. Uh, I'm just going to throw out a couple names of guys that, that I'm excited about. And Jack, you can, you know, throw it up, throw it down. Same thing. Shells Uh, Ed Dobbs from the Colts. I know is one that Brennan has talked about quite a bit. Rick Smith was with the Texans and responsible for a lot of the, the big talent before you to take that step back with that, terrible situation with his family uh omar khan i just i'm really curious how is this dude available from the pittsburgh steelers who just what an amazing organization that one is and then joe shane which i mentioned earlier from the buffalo bills um those those are the names that i'm kind of really hoping for jack like what do you kind of think about that shells what do you kind of think about that and is there maybe a name like leslie frazier that seems like a good guy but one that you would kind of like to stay away from I think the the folks that I had in my top tier were Joe Shane, Rick Smith, and Ed Dodds. And my second tier was Omar Khan and Elliot Wolf. I'm just, I, I have more questions about Omar Khan. I think that he potentially could be a good GM, but I'd be interested to hear what what you guys think. In fact, I, I was looking all over for it today. I know that the Bears asked for permission to talk with him, but as far as I know, he hasn't been interviewed to date. And I, I don't know as if it's been confirmed like a hundred percent that he won't be coming back to Pittsburgh. Is that, are either of those things final? Do you know shells? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, Jack. I had sent out a tweet. I think it was Aaron Wilson uh, had tweeted that the bears will interview Omar Khan and made it sound like it was more definitive than just requesting permission. And I sent out a, a tweet saying something like, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I read this to mean that's that he's accepted the, request for an interview, but I haven't seen any confirmation that he's actually interviewed or, or anything like that. I would say, and I'll just talk about one then in my top tier to leave space for you all to talk as well. But I really do, as I look further and further into, you know, Joe Shane, who is the assistant GM for the Buffalo Bills, who's 42 years old. He's the one that's the most appealing to me. I think 
my litmus test was, is there someone out there who has a lot of experience in a lot of different areas when it comes to front office experience? Also, I think we were not real interested in some, you know, whippersnapper up and comer when it comes to the GM or to the coaching position. To me, that's tenfold in this spot. We don't need another Ryan Pace. More than ever, I was looking for somebody in these top three guys in my tier, I think, tons of experience, 20 plus, analytics, cap space, scouting, recruiting. They've been doing all of that stuff. That's, in my opinion, what we need. And so, you know, so that's Joe Shane. He he grew up in Indiana. He was inspired by the 85 Bears. He was inspired by the national champion Irish. Uh, so he's a local kid uh, and, and played at DePaul in Indiana. He started out in 2001 in the ticket department for the Panthers. I and mean, he's just like, he's hustling right out of the gate. And then he sp- ended up eventually spending seven years with the Panthers uh, in their player, you know, player personnel and recruiting. Then he gets hired by per- Parcells as a national scout in 2008 when Parcells is in Miami. And he works with Parcells, not as Parcells the coach, but Parcells as the exec. And he learns a lot from Parcells, which I'll come back to in just a minute. Um, so he was with the Dolphins for, for nine seasons while he was there. Tannehill was drafted. Jake Long was drafted. Jarvis Landry. Xavier Howard. But his biggest connection is with, you know, Buffalo Bills' Brandon Bean. They've been together for 20 years as friends and as, and as professionals. When they got to the Bills in 2017, and since then, you know, Joe Shane has been the assistant GM. They set up the analytics department. They set up the scouting scouting department. Uh, they have fixed the cap. He's a great evaluator. No one's going to outwork him. Here's what he learned from Parcells. Parcells told him that coaches are going to come and go, so you better figure out what type of players you like and get those types of players. If the coaches leave and the players are geared to only one system, you have a problem. For instance, you need corners that can play press and then they can play off. Because if the current you know, coaching crew leaves and they were all pressed. Now you got a corner who can't play off. Uh, Shane said, we believe in the draft and building through the draft. It's like our Super Bowl. Uh, it's our chance to affect the roster moving forward. And his background is in personnel. He's watched films, pro college draft prospects, free agency, the waiver wire. That's the majority of the time that he's spent uh, when he's been in the NFL. And What last thing I'll say, what Bean said of him, quote, instead of just rushing to the seat and then trying to figure it out, Joe's that guy that he wants to have all the answers to the test before he goes and sits down. Very few people are like that. There's so many people in this business that are just trying to get into that seat, that GM seat, and maybe they're not ready for it. Maybe they're not ready for it. Nagy and Pace. I have no doubt he's going to be ready for it. He's a great communicator. He understands people. You're not going to outwork him. He's my leader in the clubhouse. I, I hope that he's a guy that they would that they would hire, you know. But I do not think that they would be in a bad spot with either Rick Smith or Ed Dobbs. And honestly, I think Elliot Wolf is a kid. A kid. He's somebody 39 years old who has a lot of experience on his resume. And I get the feeling he's with the Patriots right now as a consultant, because that's all you get to be when you're with Belichick. They don't give you any other title. You're a consultant. I think he's just 
just waiting for the right spot and the right time. And there is a he, he's probably my Nathaniel Hackett of this discussion. The upside on Elliot Wolf, I think, is real, real high. There's a lot of ceiling there. Yeah, he, he may be particularly motivated to um, stick it right back in the Packers craw Absolutely. Uh, after getting passed over. Maybe uh, like Omar Khan, right, um, who, who may be getting passed over and may be extra motivated. I think let me start real quick and, and, and talk about the one candidate I hope they stay far away from, but the nepotism angle scares me tremendously is Jeff Ireland. Uh, aside from the outrageous question of asking Des Bryant if his mom was a prostitute, he was terrible in Miami. Uh, I know he's had some good draft picks in New Orleans, but their cap situation is absolutely abysmal. Uh, I don't know. He, he, he has a lot of red flags for me. Uh, so I would like them to steer clear of Jeff Ireland in terms of the guys that I like, I wrote an article a couple of years ago about potential replacements for Ryan Pace. And I identified three that I really loved at the time. I really love them still. Uh, Ed Dodds was one of them, Mike Borgonzi from Kansas city. And, and I'm going to butcher his name. Cause I quite frankly, don't know how to pronounce it. Joe Hortiz, maybe from Baltimore. So far, Joe and and Mike uh, Borgonzi and Hortiz have not gotten interviews, to my knowledge, for the Bears. So I'm a little disappointed in that because I want them to start picking off guys from these quality organizations, right? Like teams that that really do value draft picks. I know Ryan Pace said he's going to build a team through a draft, but he didn't. Uh, the teams that do are the ones that are successful. Your Steelers, your Ravens, um, Colts value draft picks, right? Uh, the Chiefs. So I, I like how this current search is targeted personnel from quality teams. I really like your thought, Jack, especially since they're going to be giving this new general manager total control over football operations. I don't want them to focus on a guy who's more of a niche guy who is maybe, you know, whiz bang kid in analytics or is great at managing the cap or um, is a great talent evaluator like pace. You need somebody with the breadth of experience that can see the whole field, so to speak, and, um, and, and be a Jack of all trades because he's going to have to be, if he's running every aspect of football operations, I think Dodds fits that category. I think he's got a lot of experience. He's Ballard's right-hand guy. So, you know, he's kind of getting um, his feet wet in every aspect of, of running a, a franchise, uh, so he really intrigues me. Um, Rick Smith, tremendous amount of experience too, who I think is somebody that's very qualified for that type of role. But I would say Dodds is my, my leader in the clubhouse, though I, I really like Morocco Brown, uh, also from Indianapolis. I just worry about folks that may not have the, the knowledge and the depth of experience to um, take over total control of every aspect of football operations. And I, I think Dodds could step into that role tomorrow and, and do a great job. So he's, he's my pick right now. I think of the candidates that they've, they've interviewed or have requested permission to talk to. I'll just say really quickly, I think about the rosters and the most talented rosters, not current rosters. I would say Rick Smith put together an incredibly talented roster with the Texans a few years ago and Joe Shane, man just buffalo both sides of the ball they just they look like a, a powerhouse team i know he had a lot to do with that so so that is kind of my choice all right boys there is a million other things that we could talk about but we want to try to keep this podcast under four hours and so we're going to go ahead and do that right now uh gentlemen it is time to get out shout outs shout outs let's go sheldon jack Wright, and i will finish it up all right thanks ryan a couple of quick shout outs this week 
all three of these guys really, I, I, they've been terrific. Uh, love our interactions. Um, they've been really super engaged in uh, the, the, the coaching and GM search asking a lot of great questions and I've enjoyed going back and forth with them. Uh, Ryan Schlossner, if I, if I got your last name wrong, I apologize, man. Um, frozen warrior. He's at unfaltering one and Earl lovings at Eddie Phoenix. Uh, Shout out to you guys. Thanks for, for staying engaged. Thanks for the great questions. Keep them coming and uh, enjoying talking bears with you all on Twitter. There are two folks that I would like to shout out from the Twitter world. One is Betsy Tarr. She has been interacting with me on Twitter quite a bit, and she's got great thoughts. Uh, I really like some of the takes that she has. She's sharp. She knows her bears. She knows the league. And you can find her at Betsy page 24. And then I'd also like to shout out our very own Dan Dundas. Guy is smart. Uh, if you have not checked him out on the website, beardownreport.com, I would check out his, his film sessions and his breakdowns because they're informative, informative and interesting. He's at uh, one and Dundas. D-U-N-D-A-S. All right, boys. Uh, this is one that she's been shouted out a million times on this podcast, but she can't be shouted out enough. That's uh, Cousin Heidi on Twitter. Just, man, it doesn't get better than that. She's just interacts all the time. She's just, she's just awesome. So Heidi, if you're listening, and I think that you are, hi, you're awesome. That's it. I just want to say that. Uh, Gregory Bell II, we've had some really good back and forth. I shot him out before as well, but I just, you know, wanted to shout him out one more time. Just done some really, really good stuff and really positive interactions and some really good takes. So Gregory, shout out to you. Matthias, I'm going to butcher your last name, but I'm going to try my bestest. Schwartzkopf. Uh, he writes for Wide Right and Natty Light, uh, and uh, we just had a couple good back and forths, and uh, you know, I'd love to uh, see some of the stuff that he's doing. I think that's awesome. And then my last one, boys, uh, he's not here tonight, but I just really noticed this, and you can tell me if I'm being mushy or whatever, but Brendan Shagru, I, I saw his interview. He did an interview with the, the Fat Mike show was just so good. And some of the stuff that he comes up with in our last podcast, it just was his idea. And, you know, he's like, Hey, this is our idea. It was his idea. And, uh, you know, just, he has really, really elevated this show a lot and he's not here. And I thought what better time, uh, just, you know, make sure that he's actually listening to the podcast when he's not around. So, you know, I can say things about him, uh, when he's not around. Folks, thank you so much for listening. If you have liked what you've heard, please hit subscribe. If you've really liked what you've heard, you can hit us with a five-star review because that really helps to widen our audience. But if you have loved, absolutely loved what you've heard, maybe you've been listening to the podcast for a little bit, you've been thinking about it, you can go to beardownreport.com. You can head to the podcast section, click on any one of the episodes, and there is a donate button. And you can donate a round of beers to the four of us, and we will happily drink those beers. If you do decide to donate, please let us know because we want to shout you out on this podcast. For Brennan Chagru, who's not here, Logan Bradley, also not here, but for Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, I'm Ryan Dangle. For all of us at the Bear Down Report, thank you so much for listening, folks. And as always, bear down.